the end, it's not about what you have or even what you've accomplished. It's about who you've lifted up, who you've made better. It's about what you've given back. Denzel Washington. Hello. On the podcast today, we have certified lymphedema therapist Betty Westbrook. Betty has her own podcast called the Lymphedema Podcast, where she releases episodes monthly on various topics to help spread awareness and information to help people around the country who struggle with lymphedema. In our interview, we discuss how Betty got into the field, what lymphedema actually is, and she takes the time to answer all of the amazing questions that many of our Don't Call It a Journey audience members sent in. Hi, Betty. I don't hear you. <laughs> Can you hear me? <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, there we go. Oh, no, I still can't hear you. You can't hear me now. Now I can hear you. I'm so glad I untangled these. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> I am great. How are you this morning? I'm great. Isn't technology wonderful? Oh, it's fabulous. It's wonderful. I am so glad that you're here to talk about all things lymphedema because so many of my listeners have been asking questions about it and I clearly am not an expert. So I was like, I got to get Betty on here. So we're going to talk all about lymphedema, um, which I know is your specialty. So would you actually get us started um, and share with my listeners like what what your exact title is and kind of how you got into this line of work? Absolutely. So my title is interesting because I just get to make up (laughs) uh, whatever I want right now. It seems like I am a physical therapist assistant. I live in Arkansas. So I'm a PTA and I am a certified lymphedema therapist. And I took the advanced lymphedema management certification through the Academy of Lymphatic Studies. So PTA, CLT-ALM, and that doesn't really mean a whole lot of stuff. um, It's a lot of letters, though. (laughs) It was really helpful for me to go back and learn additional information to the basics that you learn. Um, The original course is really, really time intense, and it's taxing on your brain, honestly, to kind of understand lymphedema and the lymphatic system. So then to have time to go back and break down some particular areas like head and neck lymphedema, kinesio taping, advanced bandaging and things like that. That's where the ALM comes in. So I joke and say, I kind of make my own thing up because since COVID and since having um, my son in 2020, I have not gone back to the clinic. I dug really deep and pushed to grow the podcast. So I have lymphedema podcast. I'm the host, uh, marketer, editor, yeah, all <laughs> of the above. I'm all of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a pretty much a one woman show. And then I have been so fortunate to pair up with Brittany Williams with Bryland's feet foundation. I'm the medical advisor for Bryland's feet foundation. And I am the director and founder for camp watch me, which is a summer camp for children with lymphedema. Um, that I started in 2019. Um, That's a cool story for another day. Um, So I do all of the things uh, during nap time and an hour in the morning and an hour at night and just try to squeeze it all in. 
That sounds very familiar to how I do my podcast as well. <laughs> so we can totally connect and relate on that. Um, thank you for sharing all of that. So when you are not working, you already kind of shared a little bit. You're a, not, I wouldn't call you a new mom, but you were a new in the pandemic mom, which is probably, uh, again, another story in and of itself. But um, what are some of your favorite things to do outside of your um, lymphedema kind of career, if you will? So I really, I love people. So being with family, uh, being with friends, I like to travel. Um, I like to go and I know it's technically probably still work, but any chance I get to go speak at a conference or go meet people and educate on lymphedema, that's my jam. So lymphedema is my hobby and -hmm. it's my passion um, and just kind of all encompassing in a way. Um, In a not so cliche answer, I love to cook. Um, I love grocery stores. Take me Me to a grocery store I've never (laughs) been to. And I'm going to walk around forever. Um, That's one of my favorite things is just, I don't know, wasting some time and buying some new, new items and then coming home and seeing what I can make with it. Or I don't know. I just, I think a chopped mom's club would be so fun. Like I would do that every night of the week. Betty, we would, I, I feel like we would be really good friends if we, if we knew each other in real life, because everything you're saying is aligning with, with me for sure. Um, I love it. And you shared that you kind of started, did you start the podcast kind of when you stepped out of the clinic? Is that the timing of that? Or um, what was, when did the podcast actually start? So the podcast was an idea in the summer of 2018. And The podcast was an idea because I kept thinking, and I'll be real transparent here, I am so tired of saying the same things over and over to all of my patients. Um, I want them to just be able to take me home with them in a not creepy way. So I wrote down 52 topics and I thought, okay, I'm going to do a year's worth of topics. If I can get this much stuff out of my head and record it, then I'll do the podcast. So I wrote out 52 Uh, topics. I picked some people to interview and made some goals and stuff. Um, There's still some of those topics I haven't hit. Um, But as of this morning, I, before this call, just recorded my 105th episode. So um, I'm just knocking them out every day, every week, it seems like. Um, And there isn't an end in sight for like when I'll be done talking about lymphedema, because there's stuff all the time coming up. Um, new changes, new struggles. It's all just so interesting to me. Um, And apparently I really love to talk. So um, (laughs) I want to find the people who know more than me and I want to ask them questions and I want to share that information with anyone who needs it so that when they need it, it's out there and it's available for them. I absolutely love that. And I do think that lymphedema is one of those topics that, um, So I'm coming from the cancer space and I know that lymphedema can happen outside of cancer as well, but that's kind of where the majority of my questions are going to be um, just because that's kind of the topic of, of my podcast. Um, And I just know that it's something that really isn't talked about enough in terms of cancer treatment and recovery. Um, and people have a lot of questions about it. So I think you hit the nail on the head when you said like, I wish, you know, people could take me home with them because there are so many things that people are wondering about and to have the, 
the accessibility of your podcast with answers to questions that, you know, they have. I think that's really awesome. So thank you for doing what you do. First of all, (laughs) you're welcome. I Um, love, I want to say that I think I, well, I admire, I don't think I admire, I know I admire the men and women who are going through their cancer journey. So no matter where you're at on that path, um, I want, I hope that my podcast, because it's not just all secondary related, I hope that my podcast is a way to take that fire hydrant of information in the doctor's office and you can take it to your house and it's kind of like a tap. It's like, I'm going to pull out of this what I need and when I need it. And the, the patients I've had in the past, I'm like, did they talk to you about lymphedema? And I'm like, they talk to me about so much stuff. You know what I heard? You have cancer. You're going to die. This is what we have to do. Right. And so I being so passionate and focused on lymphedema, I, as a young therapist found myself getting really angry because that's kind of my surface emotion when it comes to like wanting to like make things right. Mm -hmm. I was like, why aren't they just sitting you down and saying, look, today, all we're talking about is lymphedema, but there's so much more that has to be talked about. Right. Uh, like saving your life and getting the cancer out of your body. Right. So that's way more important. And I just want to be that voice and that friend in a way, because we play friend a lot in um, lymphedema therapy, because you have to be that sounding board that when they're at a place to hear it, when they're ready to hear it, you know what, no matter if it's proactive or reactive to symptoms, um, we have that information and we just kind of walk alongside you. So that's what I hope the podcast is. Turns your fire hydrant from the office into just like a tap that you can get into when you're ready for it. I love that. And also, am I correct in saying that every case of lymphedema is so wildly different from each other that, you know, some, they can probably go to your podcast and pick and choose like, oh, I'm experiencing this. I want to hear more about that. But that doesn't really reflect what I'm going through. So maybe I'll, you know, so I think that's another, um, amazing thing about kind of being able to pick and choose what they listen to, if that makes sense. Absolutely. 100%. Not a single patient case or circumstance is ever the same. Right. Is there a particular story or of a patient or like a podcast guest that, um, has particularly touched you that you could share with us? Well, I'm coming off of a series on grief that I just finished in the month of April. And it was a long format interview. I interviewed one therapist. He's a licensed professional counselor. He himself was born with muscular dystrophy. So he knows and understands what it's like to have a chronic and progressive illness. Um, and he's just one of the coolest, greatest guys I've ever met. And that series, while it's fresh on my mind, it's also um, challenging me and kind of shaping me and making me look back and consider so many things because if I'm being really transparent, um, back in November, I had a miniature meltdown on one of my podcasts and I was talking to someone about a product and they were like, you know, this would be great for this type of person. And it just flooded my mind with the memory of a long-term patient of mine who has since passed away. 
And I just thought, wow, this would have been something so great for them. And that was just like a form of grief. I didn't know I was still like holding inside. Mm -hmm. And so Marshall and I, we talked about grief um, from the CLT's perspective um, and kind of how I, I mask a lot of things with humor or I would literally, so say you and I are in a room together. You're telling me about your cancer treatment. You're telling me about your struggles. You're getting lymphedema treatment. I would literally be inside my mind saying straight face, don't cry. Don't look sad. Don't show emotion. I'm like, Betty, be professional, be professional. Cause I'm pretty emotional. Mm -hmm. And what it came down to is I'm tired of that whole, like, be professional. You don't have emotions. You don't get attached. Well, I'm a freaking human. Right. And I have a lot of emotions. And so this series with Marshall helped me reflect on a bunch of patients where sadly, I think I robbed them of a moment of connection and release because I was like, okay, exit the room, give them some space to deal with this alone. Well, they probably didn't want to be alone. They probably wanted someone to sit there and just be like, you know what? this sucks. Do you want a mm-hmm. popsicle? Like, I'll just sit here with you. Right. And so, um, that's, what's on my mind right now, because I literally just, I just posted the last episode. It's coming out today. So we did a parent, a patient, a partner and a provider's perspective. So all of those people that we talk about are kind of on my mind and on my heart. Um, and I don't really forget many of my patients. So there's a whole bunch of them. I could probably go down a list. I'm sure. I'm sure. And it sounds, I mean, it's safe to say that you do sound like you're an empath. So um, I think that that's a really cool perspective to hear a, you know, medical professional having those emotions. Honestly, as someone who's been through cancer, you're right. You do want to feel like they maybe not necessarily get it, but but they're there for you in more than just like, here are your exercises. So it sounds like that was touching to you. And, and I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, so I had listeners send in questions about lymphedema, which we are going to get to. I want to spend the majority of the time getting to those questions because there were a lot. Let's do but it. I, before that, actually, I'm wondering if you could take a second because there might even be people listening to this being like, but, but like, what really is lymphedema? <laughs> so could you take a minute and just kind of talk about what the term lymphedema means, what it is, um, and just kind of explain it to us if you could. Okay. So I won't get technical. I'm going to keep this super. That would be great. (laughs) As basic level as I can. Yes. Um, Lymphedema. So your lymphatic system covers, it's like a plexus. So like it's directly underneath your skin for the superficial system. And then there's a deep system that penetrates like down into your organs and like your deep structures of your body. So literally everything in your body produces like a byproduct, which is lymph. And that lymph has uh, water in it, blood cells, garbage, like just toxins and just waste from your body. So your body always is cleaning itself, right? Like we are self-sustaining our bodies. So that's what's happening on the regular. You make three to five liters of that fluid every day. Wow. 
Yes. And you pee it out. So that's part of like how you get rid of it. Your body just circulates it. The lymphatic system takes it up. It actually is dumped back into your heart and then it circulates again. And that majority of waste is then pulled off by the kidneys and comes out uh, the bladder, not okay. the bladder, but yes. What's connected what you to mean. The yes. <laughs> so you urinate out that waste. So just think of that as like a fully functioning Um, I like to use the, like, I don't know why I think of shoes, but like shoes on a conveyor belt. So just like these shoes are just like working, like the conveyor belts going, people are boxing up the shoes. Everything is smooth. Like nothing is wrong. Everyone came to work. The timer is going, like everything is good. So when you have a damage to the lymphatic system and I'm going to keep it all secondary related since your audience is mostly cancer patient related. Great. Thank you. Um, secondary lymphedema is caused by a trauma to your lymphatic system. So that trauma can be lymph node removal. It can be tumor removal. It can be chemo. It can be radiation. And then when you put all of those together, you have a whole lot of traumas. And then on top of that, if you have um, cardiovascular issues, that is taxing on your lymphatic system. If you have had previous injuries and or surgeries, that can be taxing on your lymphatic system. People can develop lymphedema um, from a hysterectomy, from knee replacement. So anything that's surgical that can damage that lymphatic system has the potential to spark lymphedema. So when I think about um, my shoe conveyor, uh, and you have a lymph node biopsy. So if that's the case, then it's like the conveyor belt has been sped up just a little bit. Everyone's still at work. You just have to work a little bit faster. Okay. So nothing is falling off. Shoes aren't flying everywhere. Everything's pretty cool, but everyone's working just a little bit harder. And then maybe you go in and you have, tumor removed and you have 25 lymph nodes removed and they're going to test those. Well, at that point, then two guys have called in sick and the conveyor belt has been sped up one more time. So now you might have a little backup Mm -hmm. and then you have shoes maybe piling up, but the next shift's going to come in and they're going to pick it up and the shoes are all going to get packed away. And by the next morning, it's going to be cleaned up. Okay. So that means that your lymphatic system is damaged You have some swelling. It may come, it may go, it may not always be there, but it's just a sign. It's a warning. Your body is saying, I'm struggling. Something has happened. I'm struggling. Well, if you don't pay attention to it, those guys that were calling, that were coming in and picking up the work, well, they're tired of coming in. They slept in or they called in. And then you have two shifts that are missing people and the conveyor belt's going even faster because you then started chemo and radiation. And so then you have shoes backed up and the building is on fire. And so (laughs) I love this analogy. (laughs) And so, um, that is when you have a severe problem with lymphedema, which means your fluid is not coming and going. Mm -hmm. It came, it packed a bag and it's staying. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, if you haven't had it addressed and treated, you likely have redness, you have skin changes, it's harder, it's uncomfortable, it's very heavy. And so you're, and it can be upper extremity, it can be lower extremity, it can literally be anywhere you have skin. So eyeballs to genitals, the whole thing, it's all fair game for lymphedema. So that's how I like to explain lymphedema in the shoe conveyor uh, 
analogy or imagery because you can kind of see like it could keep up and that's fine. And over time, it's just going to get worn out. And if you're not addressing it, then it can kind of turn into a problem. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that that analogy was super helpful. I was literally picturing it as you were explaining it. And I'm sure my listeners are doing the same. Um, and it makes a lot of sense because, for example, I, I'm kind of in the rare um, category because I did develop mild lymphedema. Um, I had a lumpectomy. I only had three lymph nodes removed, but I did have radiation as well. Um, so I know, like you said, all of those things can kind of affect it and cause it. And it wasn't until a few months after my radiation ended where I started kind of feeling that heaviness in my breast. So that was kind of like my first, like, Oh, something doesn't really seem right. Um, and so now at this point, three years down the road, I am still wearing a sleeve, a compression sleeve when I exercise and a compression bra basically all the time, whenever I can. But like you said, like I, there are times where I'm feeling that heaviness again and I'm like, oh, I got to get back to wearing that more regularly yep. or, you know, I know that that's what I need to pick up kind of like what you were saying, um, the things that I know have been helping me. So that was super helpful, I think. Um, and kind of going right into some of the questions because they're very much related to what you were just talking about. So what can people do? Someone asked any tips to help avoid or reduce your chances of developing lymphedema? Unfortunately, I would say that once the life-saving measures have been done, there's not a whole bunch that you can reverse there's not a whole lot that you can control after that point. So I would like to say if it's possible to, you know, release that um, fear or that concern, the best thing you can do then is be proactive because anytime there's a damage, and I know there's a question on this in a minute, anytime there is a damage to your lymphatic system, you are classified as stage zero lymphedema, which means there's no visual presentation but there has been a structural damage to your lymph system, which that's when the conveyor belt has been ticked up a little bit. There's just been a little change in the atmosphere. Nothing really is going crazy, but there's a chance that after a while, your body isn't going to keep up and that would then push you to stage one. So I always recommend, and this goes, um, this is the only family relation that I kind of have to lymphedema is my mother-in-law had breast cancer Um, caught it very early, did not have chemo or radiation, um, just had um, bilateral mastectomy with some lymph nodes removed. And I fit her immediately for an arm sleeve. And I said, when you're gardening, when you are flying, and anytime you go to yoga or like whatever her exercise of choice was, that's not just walking, I wanted her to wear it. And when traveling, you don't necessarily have to wear it through security and in the airport. But once you board that plane, your sleeve is on and you wear it for two hours after you land to allow your body to acclimate and then you can take it off. So those are the best uh, preventatives that I have. And I really call them more proactive because I do not want anyone to ever think, you know, I did everything you told me to and I still got it. It was just being proactive. There are some cases and I think lymphedema is just bad luck. I mean, 
not everyone is going to get it. Not everyone is going to have the same presentation or stage. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just how you respond to it. Yeah. Are you going to stick your head in the sand and try to ignore it until you can't? Or are you going to get ahead of it and just say, okay, I have these things in my toolbox. I know what I'm looking for. And this is what I'm going to move forward with. That, thank you. That was an excellent answer. And, and it's fascinating. So yeah. So, so anyone who has had any kind of surgery, radiation, chemo, they would be considered stage zero lymphedema. Okay. That's really, really interesting to know. It's Um, almost, think of it as, so like biopsy is like level one of risk factor. Okay. And then as you add to that with your treatment plan, mastectomy, lumpectomy, you know, it, it increases your risk. Gotcha. Chemo and radiation, radiation, that's like a level 10 clinger. Yeah. <laughs> you better really be ready because yeah. something crazy, if it's not lymphedema, scarring or mm. skin texture change mm-hmm. or radiation burn, like all these things. Radiation is really the doozy, but mm-hmm. all of those things kind of add to your risk factor. Okay. And then you may or may not develop lymphedema after that. And they say it's like five to 10 years. I'm trying to remember in my textbook, if it says three to five years, but I think it says like five to 10 years. I know people who have developed it 15 years after having breast okay. cancer. Um, that damage is, al- is always there. Right. Um, I'll give you a good point at the end. I'm saving the best for last. Okay. <laughs> so I'll, I'll share I that with it. you in a minute. That's really good to know. So I think, again, what you said about being proactive and that even if you're five years out from treatment and you are not experiencing any s- strange symptoms that relate to lymphedema, you know, it's still a good idea to be on guard, if you will, and, and potentially um, be aware that it still could happen. So yeah, I love that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of similarly, can you have lymphedema without experiencing symptoms? Yes. Okay. So that's what we would call stage zero. Oh, okay. Okay. Is that you have had a structural change, a trauma has occurred, um, and you know that your lymph your lymphatic system has been damaged, even plucking out one lymph node for a biopsy. And that's why they have kind of moved to the sentinel node, lymph yes. node um, biopsy. But then if you have to have multiple lymph nodes removed, you still are considered in stage zero. And that is where you don't really have symptoms. Um, Stage one is where it comes and goes Mm -hmm. with different activities. Um, But yeah, you can definitely have what is considered stage zero. And maybe you could see that change in imaging. So Mm. there's um, ICG lymphography or lymphocentography. They're different imagings where they inject a dye that your lymphatic system takes up and then they follow that dye and they tell you which channels are working, where is a backup. Um, and if there's, you know, some people just kind of their lymph system forms a little differently. So Mm -hmm. where most lymph systems take a left turn, theirs takes a right and then branches off. So they can follow that and kind of trace your lymph system. So you could maybe have, um, some sort of lymphography Mm -hmm. to check your flow after, you know, it's whatever point you feel comfortable or if it's a concern and your doctor can say, yeah, you have some backflow here or yeah, this is moving a little slow. 
this could be a problem area. So long that's, answer. Yes. No, that's great to know. It's very, very helpful. Um, someone else asked that they're having lymphedema in their right breasts and they're wondering if there are any specific exercises that they should be doing. So exercise, eh, I'm not really sure. Like exercise meaning, is there an activity I can do? Because when I think exercise, I'm like squats and lunges and bench press. Right, right. Um, So in general, I will say for fitness stuff, if you are wearing your compression garment and doing exercise and for the breast, I would say wear a compression bra that's like long on the sides. I like the prairie prairie wear garments, the bras. Um, They're based out of Canada. They're really comfortable. I actually have a couple that I wear just for me. Um, There's some long ones. So they cover um, what I call like that side boob area on your ribs. So it like really gets all the good stuff. Yes. Um, And it has a slot if you want to put a chip foam or even a um, breast form in there. You can put that in if you have like a workout breast form that you want to wear. Um, so that's all just extra stuff there. Mm-hmm. There's any exercise you want to do. Um, pretty much you can't, if you are talking about reducing the swelling in your breast, you would really want to see a certified lymphedema therapist to learn self manual lymph drainage. So you can learn how to activate your healthy lymph nodes, how to move that fluid across your watersheds. And by watershed, I mean, just like right down your chest down your breastbone, it's considered a watershed. So your body is divided into compartments so that when your right arm swells, it doesn't cause your whole body to swell and just like overflow like a pitcher. Um, There's kind of like pathways, like Mm -hmm. oceans and like how the water works. So that watershed keeps it from crossing, but you can kind of open up the channel and you can move it across to the healthy lymph nodes on the other side. You can take it down your belly to your pelvic region to take some of that. Um, And then there's tricks for chip foam if you have any fibrotic tissue. Um, If you don't have it now, if you don't address it, it will become fibrotic. So um, this is another analogy called the butter stick. So if you think about a stick of butter that's in the refrigerator, that is fibrotic hard tissue. It's hard. It's firm. You really can't move it. But the more you work on it, i.e. put it on the counter and let it come room temperature, it's going to be soft and malleable and you can do something with it. And then if you add chip foam and some manual lymph drainage to it, that's like popping it in the microwave and it's melted and you can move some of that fluid and that fibrotic tissue out of there. It just takes time. None of that is going to come super easy. You can't go from the freezer butter to microwave butter in the same treatment. So while that works in real life, it won't work on your lymph, uh, lymphedema. Right. So I would say back to the main question, make sure you're reaching out to someone who can teach you manual lymphatic drainage. You know, your pathways, you know, the hand placement on your body, on your lymph system, and then you can work that. That would be the best exercise aside from just wearing compression. Love it. Very helpful. Thank you. Um, Someone asked about rebounding or jumping on a trampoline. Does that help move the lymph and help with drainage? Yes. So if you have lower extremity lymphedema, um, 
girl, you are so speaking my love language right now. I just <laughs> love to talk about lymphedema. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> okay. So the reason why it works so well for the lower extremities is because in general, the lymphatic system works off of your muscle pump. So in your heart, when it pumps, it moves blood through your system. We don't have a heart for our lymphatic system, but our muscles, when they get big and activate, they push against the walls of our lymph system and they cause that contraction and like movement of your fluid to get even deeper. Your gastroc soleus, which is like the medical uh, muscular term for your calf muscle, it's two muscles. Your soleus is Latin for little heart, which means it's the little heart of your lower extremity. Your calf muscle is how you get the fluid from the lower extremities up because gravity is working 10 times harder against your lower extremity than it is your upper extremity. So rebounding when you're wearing compression is providing external compression that you don't have, that you do need. It's activating your little heart for the soleus to get that fluid moving. And you're activating your muscles full body to get that lymph fluid moving. And so on top of that, those two structures, so your lower extremities come up and they fuse in your lower abdomen um, for what's called the thoracic duct. And that thoracic duct then travels up, penetrates through your diaphragm and that dumps off into your heart. So you're doing all the stuff for the legs, but then you can increase your movement with the contraction of your diaphragm around the thoracic duct, almost like a primer or like a choke on an engine. So it really gets that fluid like suction going. So super nerdy about lymphedema. That's why I love rebounding because it works you internally, it works you externally, and it's just in general a really good exercise. I love it. Great. It could probably do the same for upper extremity. I would like to say if you're wearing compression and you're doing something like active with your arms and not just bouncing up and down, like if you're doing jumping jacks or if you're like Mm -hmm. running in place, you're probably going to get the same movement and it's going to activate your diaphragm. You're getting that external compression from your garment and that healthy movement of your muscles. Right. So it's safe to say, and this is kind of stepping away from the trampoline question, but exercise in general is great for lymphedema. It's actually wonderful. Okay. And uh, I have worked with patients so hard in the clinic to undo that myth of don't lift anything over your head, don't lift anything heavy you know, X, Y, Z, all the things that you're told after a mastectomy. Um, And I, it took a long time for some women to trust me. Um, And and it's the compression that makes the difference is that if you're not doing it uh, with your compression on, you're going to feel worse and you're going to make your swelling worse. And you could potentially, you know, cause some, some damage in a way of, you know, your lymph system, your lymphatic your lymphedema could progress is kind of what I'm trying to say. Oh, that is very, I am making note of that because I'm not going to lie. There have been a handful of times where I'm like, I'm going to go for a quick run and I don't think I need my sleeve today, but uh-oh, <laughs> I think I probably should. <laughs> a run, you know, I would say a run either way, I would say wear your sleeve, Yeah. but 
you, you probably know yourself too. Right. And if you maybe want to go for a run and then you're going to wrap that night and you're going to wear something to counterbalance the activity you did, it's always a plus and minus situation and mindset, I think, with lymphedema, where if you, I, I say this to people, I don't recommend going to a, a wedding or something and not wearing your compression garment. But if you just absolutely have to, and you know, you will not enjoy yourself if your garment is on, well, then you better be prepared to not drink a whole lot. Cause you're going to need to be super sober when you get home, because you're going to be doing an extra hour, hour and a half of treatment that night to counter what you've done. And it may take two or three days to bounce back. So it's a plus or minus. So I think you just kind of take that with a grain of salt sometimes and mm-hmm. you say, this is what I need. I, I get it. Like sometimes you just need a normal run. Like yes. I don't want anything else holding me back. Right. I want to go do this certain thing. Go do it. But you're going to have a little catch up at the end. That makes a lot of sense. Another listener asks, is radiation induced swelling different from lymphedema? Yes. Okay. Radiation-induced swelling is a form of your body's natural response to injury. So an ankle sprain, a vaccine even, you know, when babies get their shots, their, um, that their shot site gets kind of red and swollen and irritated. And um, we are all probably all familiar right now with vaccines and the mm-hmm. results and all those things right now. So, um, a bee bite, I mean, anything that is traumatic to your body can cause that natural immune response for redness and swelling and even like warmth to touch. And that's because the radiation effects are very much a iceberg. You see a little on top, but the damage is deep underneath and far spreading Mm -hmm. because unless you do like that targeted beam stuff, um, it just everything Mm -hmm. obliterates (laughs) it. So it's super graphic. And I do apologize if anyone's triggered kind of by that, but um, that's how it works. Okay. And so the body's natural immune response It's sending all the helpers. It's sending all the first responder cells that our body has. And it's like, guys, we have to get to work. We got to clean all this crap out. We got to bring all the new stuff in. Wait, there's still a fire over here. Come get the water hose. Like, it's a real chaos zone. So then my question is, how does someone know if what they're experiencing is radiation-induced swelling versus lymphedema? And I'm going to make it (laughs) even harder on this one. So the answer is time. Okay. Okay. But the answer to time is also what was not lymphedema could turn into lymphedema if you give it too much time and that conveyor belt that had the speed picked up. Some dudes may have called in sick within the next six months and you don't really know, you know, I've been watching this swelling. Was it this swelling or was it that swelling at that point? It could turn into lymphedema. So I always try to be proactive and say, as soon as your skin 
can tolerate uh, a compression bra, a compression vest, wear that during recovery to the best of your ability. There's silk liners. You can get ones that have silk, like really soft on the inside. You can use um, like the Silvadyne cream that they generally give people if you have like a really bad um, radiation burn. And then you can also um, wear just like a night one. Wear it at night if you can tolerate that. You know, just honestly do what you can and stay consistent on being proactive so that as that swelling is pushed out and as that is removed, you're going to know better then is it more radiation or is it more lymphedema? That's great. And I'm, I'm really sensing a theme here. I feel like being proactive in general is the way to go when it comes to lymphedema in general. Proactive is, I mean, if I could yell it from a rooftop or tattoo it on my forehead, yeah. 100%. Um, if I could get every patient <clears throat> measured and in my, in my reach before their first surgery, I mean, after diagnosis, if I could just tell them like, Hey, you have a lot going on. Let me measure you get this fitted. And anytime you're doing these certain activities, please just put this on. Um, and I, and I'll tell you more about it later, but right Mm -hmm. now, just trust me. Like, these are the things I would like for you to do. And then once you are done with chemo and radiation and you've worn your garment, like I've asked you to, we'll go out and have lunch and we'll really talk about it. But right now, I just need you to trust me and do these five things, and then we'll move on after that. So proactive is 100% the best thing that could be done for patients with lymphedema. That I mean, with breast cancer treatment, any cancer treatment, proactive education is life-saving. Totally. We need, sounds like we need more Bettys in the world, to be honest. <laughs> um, oh, my husband would disagree. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, I had another listener ask if losing weight can help with lymphedema. In a way. So what would get you to losing weight? Probably healthier eating and movement. Mm -hmm. So your body has extra lymph fluid or not extra. Your body is working harder to filter out crap food. Your body is working harder to filter out waste and sodas and energy drinks and chemo even. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's be real honest. Um, your body is working really hard. So if you make the lifestyle changes to eat cleaner, more produce, less junk food and processed stuff, more water, honestly, more water is going to be like super key. And you're just moving, you're walking 20 minutes a day, you're doing something 20 minutes a day. It's a win-win. Right. Um, I don't ever tell people who have lymphedema to lose weight. I do recommend healthier food choices and nutrition and movement because lipedema is a different animal and it's a fatty tissue disorder and it can be um, misdiagnosed as lymphedema sometimes or lymphedema misdiagnosed the other way. And they'll just tell people, well, you're really just really fat, you need to lose weight. And that's so harmful to us on so many levels. So I never say losing weight will help, but it won't hurt it, mm-hmm. but it's also not going to cure it. Right. You need to, it's, it almost sounds like trying to have a healthier lifestyle while also doing these other 
you know, proactive things um, all together. It's like pieces of a puzzle almost. It is. Yeah. And okay. it'll help. I mean, I, I recommend for anyone who's going through any illness, especially a cancer journey, that trying to fuel your body with good, healthy things and sunshine and outside and just movement it's really great medicine that you can't go get at the pharmacy. So I'm a big fan of that. Whatever that looks like for you, whatever is your, your enjoyable movement. Cause I don't ever want to call it exercise. Like I can go for a walk. It's exercise, but I'm not going to sweat, but I'm just moving. Um, So I just recommend for anyone who's on that journey, it's going to help you with your headspace. It's going to help maybe with your heart a little bit when you're hurting, you're just really sad. Some sunshine is always really good for us. Thank you for that. Uh, Another listener asks, is there a connection between cording and lymphedema? Can cording be a predictor? Um, so I, I have only ever seen cording with lymphedema, but that's because of my clinic. That's Mm -hmm. because of my setting. I do believe that you can have cording and not have lymphedema. Uh, I am sure there is someone out there who has this. Um, Linda Doherty, I believe is her name. She presented at the NLN this last, um, fall and she talked all about you know um mld and fibrotic tissues and stuff like that with breast cancer and a lot of her examples were also courting plus lymphedema but we had also at one point discussed just general range of motion early on before the onset of lymphedema so another proactive thing is just movement but it's that conflicting don't raise your arms over your head. Don't pull anything here. Um, so I like the pulleys. So I don't know if you were ever given a pulley. So the pulley thing is a really good one. We used to give those to all of our upper extremity patients to take a pulley home and do like 30 minutes of pulley. There's no tension. There's no anything. And you can even use your unaffected arm to lift your affected arm so that you aren't even activating the muscles, but you're getting that full stretch as you can tolerate it. And there's stretches, you know, in the door frame where your arms are up like a goalpost and you lean into your door mm-hmm. frame, che- uh, pec stretches. I just think movement. So movement early on will help with that cording, but radiation also plays a big part in that. And sometimes just the effects of radiation are gonna seize up some of those tendons um, and it's, it's going to be a harder journey than just a pulley and some stretches. Okay. And I had another question from someone who unfortunately said that lymphedema is my daily struggle right now. She has been trying all the things to manage it, but she still ends the day in so much pain from swelling in her leg. She's wondering what new research is there in the world of lymphedema? Because she unfortunately feels like there isn't a lot out there. So... Is there any kind of either research or hope even that you can provide to this person who's kind of really struggling with it right now? Yeah. So one, I feel for you. I totally, I understand what you're going through. I know I've mentioned before that I don't have the lymphedema um, personally, but so many of my patients and people who I now really consider friends, um, I see them struggle with it. And I've 
I've watched some really hard times unfold. So I 100% hear you. And I just feel like I feel for you. Um, There are options. So the imaging is one thing. If you have not had imaging, I would highly recommend seeking out someone in your area. I really like the Cleveland Clinic, um, Dr. Wei Chen. He does ICG lymphography. There's also lymphocentography in most radiation um, clinics. And I mean, radiology, not radiation for cancer treatment, Um, but radiology um, offices um, offer a lot of the lymphocentography. And so you could go in and have one of those done to see where your flow and your backup is. Uh, Depending on the size of your legs, you may already know where your flow and backup is Mm because usually where you're very swollen is where your fluid is staying. And so that's kind of an obvious external sign. Pain is not supposed to be part of lymphedema. So you could potentially have something else going on that's orthotic. Um, So maybe from the size of your limb, you could be having some um, orthotic issues with your back, uh, orthopedic issues with your knees or hips or any of your joints. Because just think about carrying a 20 or 50 pound weight, it's going to misalign us. So some of your pain could be coming from that. Some stretching, some fascial work, things like that could be helpful. Um, And then there's last resort. I I mean, if you're not seeing a lymphedema therapist, um, I know it said that you were doing all the things, um, but if you're not actively seeing a lymphedema therapist or checking in on a monthly or bi-monthly basis, maybe it's time for a check-in and see if you can do some decongesting to get your limb a little smaller to help with some of that um, weight that's going to be pulling you from one side or the other. And then they can also potentially, if they're a PT, help you with some orthopedic stuff. Um, I mentioned Dr. Chen. He is a plastic surgeon who specializes in lymphedema, and he's at the Cleveland Clinic. I highly, highly respect Dr. Chen. Um, I highly respect, actually two of the main um, lymphedema surgeons in the community, um, Dr. Jay Granzow and Dr. Wei Chen. Um, They're in totally different parts of the country and have seemingly different approaches. Uh, They both have great results and they are both extremely genuine men who are changing people's lives. So I would recommend looking into that if that's um, something you're interested in, or if you're kind of at like a point of a last resort Um, there's a lot of work to be done to be prepared for surgery and the doctors will make sure you are mentally and physically ready for the challenge that's coming after. Um, but it it could be worth it also. So if a case is severe enough, what you're saying is there is a surgery that can be done to possibly help correct the flow or? Yes. So this is my, I'm saving the best for last nugget. All right. So Lay it on us. <laughs> Dr. Chen, um, he and I, I think it's like a three-part interview um, from the start of 2000, maybe it's 2020. So we did this three-part interview where I basically grilled him and tried to catch him in a lie because um, <laughs> that's my personality. I was like, I'm going to disprove you. Let's go. So we talked for a long time and he does what is called a, so LVA is a lymph lymphovenous anastomosis so you take a lymph vessel you connect it to a vein 
And so you take a damaged area to where it drops off anyways into the bloodstream and you automatically improve the flow. He also does a lymph vessel transfer where he takes an unaffected area's lymph vessel and he recreates that pathway. Secondary patients, most often breast cancer related lymphedema patients have seen what he has documented as clinical cure which is where you don't really need your compression garment after he takes you down to stage zero. Wow. So you have still had a damage to your lymphatic system. He does not off the bat recommend no garment. He recommends still wearing compression and maintaining all these things. But by taking that damaged area and bypassing it, even with an LVA, you are going to radically improve the flow of your lymph fluid. It decreases cellulitis frequency, not risk, but it decreases the cellulitis frequency. If you have a frequent flyer situation with cellulitis and going to the ER and missing work and all those things, the same thing can be done for the lower extremity or even upper. I want to say there's, um, if you have advanced lymphedema, you can have liposuction. Um, Dr. Chen and Dr. Granzow do two different approaches but they do a form of liposuction to remove that fat, that fibrotic dead. I'm not going to say dead. That's aggressive. Um, fibrotic tissue that's mm-hmm. built up in there. And then you can be a candidate at another time. Once you've healed from that for the LVA to continue to move that fluid in a healthy way. So there's great, great work being done by surgeons here in the United States. Um, There's others, but those are the two main ones that I always, that I have a personal relationship with, I will say. Um, I could text Dr. J or Dr. Chen today and have a response for someone if they have a, you know, an emergent question. So that's why I really kind of lean on those two. And they're in different regions of the country. So I think it's helpful that patients could go here or there. Um, Anyways, If you're interested in learning about that, he talks all about his surgical approach. Dr. Chen does. I think it's like episode 56, 57, 58, something like that. Great. Awesome. I am going to make sure that I link up. I'll definitely be linking up your podcast in my show notes, um, but definitely we'll be asking you if there's any additional links and I'll throw them in there for people to use as resources. This, oh my gosh, has been so helpful, Betty. Um, I always ask the same closing question and I'm wondering if you could answer her. In your life, what are you grateful for now more than ever? Um, so I've done quite a bit of soul searching in a way to try to understand why I am the way I am. And while I'm grateful for a whole lot of things, I have finally come to a place where I'm like, okay, God, this is why you gave me this really loud voice. This is why you gave me this. I'm not going to sit down and be quiet personality. And I am finally kind of growing into that and seeing this has been my purpose. And this is kind of what I've been like walking toward, um, sometimes at a very slow pace and sometimes running full, full steam ahead. Um, but I'm just very grateful to be at a point now where I am comfortable enough to speak up for others who can't or are too tired. They've been trying for so long. Um, and I'm just really thankful that I kind of have that ability 
to be able to speak up and help others. And hopefully in the long run, I'm not going to look back and go, gosh, I just spent a whole lot of time talking. I should have done something else. Um, I really hope that all of this effort is going to change the world, if I'm being really honest. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it is. You're helping so many people. Um, Where can people find you if they are like, I need to learn more? Where where is the best place for them to find you? Instagram is probably where I'm most active on Lymphedema Podcast. Um, If you find me on my personal, I'm probably not going to add you back. Uh, I just try to keep it kind of separate. I get personal requests on Facebook and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But for the most part, um, Instagram and Facebook, it's Lymphedema Podcast. Um, LinkedIn, I'm just Betty Westbrook, and I share lymphedema stuff there regularly. And then the website is lymphedemapodcast.com. And that has a frequently asked questions section. It has a resources link and it has a full directory of all the podcasts. If you want to search sex, you can find an episode on it. If you want to search genital lymphedema, you can find an episode on that. Um, If you want to search who's Betty um, (laughs) episode zero, zero, it's like my introduction. You can learn all about me. Um, But otherwise I just kind of stay active on um, lymphedema podcast. And then you can also find me occasionally on the Bryland's feet stuff. Cause we do a lot of stuff with pediatrics. So that's kind of where I live. I love that Betty. I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to chat with me today. And I really, uh, we got to all the questions that were asked uh, this time around. And, you know, I think that people are going to be uh, pleased with the answers that were given because I think you were very clear and concise and uh, direct, honestly, with what everyone should be doing. And I really appreciate that. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It was great to meet you. Of course. Bye. I hope that this episode helped to answer some of the questions that you might have had surrounding the topic of lymphedema. Betty was so fun to talk to, and she really knows what she's doing. So um, she shared some great information, and I hope that you were able to gain something from the episode. Tune in next week.